listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief. And a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will not follow a stranger. But they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Ten points from Gryffindor. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep, they didn't listen to him. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And that will not be the end of it. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will not kill you because I'm the good shepherd. That was so funny. Thank you so much, Mikkel and Drew, for your impersonations. I've long since um, admired your skills. That was fantastic. So I'm not sure if everyone was able to uh, pick up on it, but as they were making their way through their various impressions, uh, they were reading the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, which is our gospel passage for this morning. So I'd like to read it one more time, but I'll just do it in my own voice. I, I, don't, have, I don't have the skill set that those guys have. So this is, this is the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus said this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. God in heaven, we're grateful for you and for your word. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit would rest upon us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help this word come alive and fresh to us. In the name of Jesus, in the presence of the Spirit, we pray. Amen. Now, this parable, I think, has a pretty significant plot twist. So it starts off, you know, telling us about this sheep gate and these folks who are trying to get in. Um, there's a gatekeeper and he's letting the shepherd in. But exactly what's going on there? In verse 6, Jesus, or, or John, I guess it is, the narrator, kind of cues us in on something. He's like, Jesus is using a figure of speech, and they don't understand what he's saying. And it comes as a surprise, I think, that in verse 7, Jesus says, I am the gate. Like, I didn't expect him to say that. I thought for sure he was the shepherd, or perhaps in some kind of way he was also a sheep but I really didn't expect him to say, I am the gate. So this past Tuesday in our lab session, we played a game and kind of pulled the people that were there to see what they thought about this. Uh, we had three questions. The first one was just to kind of prime the pump. We wanted to see, make sure we could use the technology. We asked them what they thought the word of the year should be. Should it be coronavirus or COVID-19? Uh, social distancing, or Dr. Fauci. At least amongst that group, uh, social distancing won, although I voted for, for Dr. Fauci. The two serious questions were, who is Jesus in this parable, and who are the thieves or the thief that comes to still kill and destroy? The answers for Jesus was that he could be the shepherd, he could be the sheepfold, uh, he could be the sheep gate. Um, or he could, he could be the sheep. And of course, a lot of people answered the shepherd, which I think is, is a good answer. I mean, later on in this passage, on two different occasions, Jesus will say, I am the good shepherd. And certainly he is. But when he's using these kinds of figures of speech, these parables are like riddles. They're multifaceted. And they, they turn and twist in certain ways that kind of surprise us and cause us the need to lean in so that we might kind of understand what's being said. When we asked about uh, who is the thief um, in the story, we said, is it uh, the devil? Uh, is it uh, the Pharisees or false messiahs? Uh, our last answer was, is it Mikkel, uh, Larinaga? Luckily, uh, nobody voted for him. But uh, we'll, we'll come back around to who we think the thief is. But this idea that, that Jesus is the gate, I think, is, is perplexing. And so I think I want to maybe stick a pin in that as well, and, and we'll come back to the comparison between the gate and the thieves in just a minute. First, I'd like for us to reflect on 
ways in which Jesus kind of plays a variety of roles, not only in the Gospel of John, but also in our own lives. John is one of the few biblical authors that will use the metaphor of sheep as it relates directly to Jesus. We've all heard this before, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And certainly that is true. He is one of us. He is fully human. Uh, this is expressed in Scripture, in Christian theology, in the creeds, that Jesus was human. That when he didn't sleep, he would get tired. When he didn't eat, he would get hungry. When his friends deserted him and things didn't go well, he could get discouraged. And so he would pray. And so we see in Jesus, not only is he kind of the sheep, the Lamb of God, but he is also uh, an example for us, uh, a way to be. He's one of us. And he invites us kind of through him to kind of become fully human. As it says there in verse 10, that he comes to give life and life more abundantly. And so we're grateful that Jesus is the Lamb of God and that, that he is one of us, that he knows us. He knows our joys and our sorrows. He knows our hopes and our fears. And we're grateful for that. Of course, Jesus is also the Good Shepherd. And we see this played out later in the Gospel. I mean, it's not initially how Jesus responds, but he does say, I am the Good Shepherd. And the shepherd of the flock, of course, is a beautiful metaphor for Jesus. He is the one who cares for us. He guides us. He directs us. He, he watches out for us. And later in the Gospel, in fact, later in this chapter, Jesus will say, as the good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. And of course, that is, that is at the very heart of the gospel. Like, we are still in the midst of Eastertide. So Easter Sunday begins a, a season on the Christian calendar. And this is, this is Easter time. Eastertide, it's often called. And we're in the midst of our series of celebrate and be celebrated. And of course, the biggest part of the story that we celebrate is that Jesus was resurrected, that he was raised from the dead, and that his new life that he was given provides life for us. It will provide eternal life for us, everlasting life. But it also provides us life even now, a true, rich, and full life, a life of grace and mercy and love and kindness, that type of life. Not, not the type of life that uh, the world would offer us. Kind of what we talked about last week. It's not about greed and fear and violence. It's, it's about generosity and trust and peacemaking. So Jesus is the good shepherd and he lays his life down for us. There is another interesting piece that it also comes later in the gospel. But when Jesus says that he's the good shepherd... I think it's the second time he says it. He also says, and I have other sheep that you don't know of. Which is a, it's a wonderful thing, I think, for us to reflect on. There is this way in which sometimes we think, well, we, we're Christian, and we believe a certain way, and we behave a certain way. And so therefore, if you're Christian, you must believe as we believe and behave as, as we behave. But the truth be known, we're just one expression of that. We, we see this um, teased out in the New Testament in lots of different ways. 
like uh, the, there's the image of the family of God. So we can all be part of one family, but it doesn't mean all of us are exactly the same, that we share exactly the same beliefs or we share exactly the same practices. Or there's this uh, other imagery that you see sometimes that we are the body of Christ. Um, and the eye should not be saying to the ear, I have no need of you. And the, the hand should not be saying to the foot, I have no need of you. So there's a lot of diversity. And the fact that Jesus says, I have sheep that you know not of, well, that's true. Now, in some ways, this might just simply be referencing the expansion of this good news from the Jewish people out into the greater world, so like it's the inclusion of the Gentiles. And I think certainly that's part of it. And I think it could also be kind of expanding it, not just geographically or ethnically, but that it could also be expanding it through time. There's another place in the gospel that Jesus says, this is for you and for your children and for your children's children from generation to generation. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I have sheep you know not of, well, some of those sheep are us. We are those sheep. We are the sheep that, that people in the ancient world who were first listening to Jesus couldn't possibly know of. They couldn't possibly know of what it would be like in the 21st century and that all of us would be identifying with Jesus. And even more importantly, that Jesus would be identifying as, as our shepherd. And so as parables go, they are these kind of, as I said, these multifaceted riddles. And so Jesus is really playing, I think, potentially a lot of roles. He is the sheep and he is the shepherd. But let's, let's think, um, I want to think a bit about what does it mean for him to be the gate. But just before we get there, there's an interesting historical uh, piece of information that I think is going on here in John chapter 10. It doesn't come until verse 22, but we're told that it was the time of the Feast of Dedication. And if we look at the Feast of Dedication, there were a lot of things that were happening at that time, what they're celebrating, the rededication of the temple, that overlap with the themes that we find here in this part of the gospel. So, for example, well, maybe I should just say, uh, just so we all know, that the Feast of Dedication is sometimes called Hanukkah, and it's uh, celebrating the rededication of the temple uh, during uh, the first, or maybe it was the second century BC. There was a, a Syrian king who was kind of controlling all that section of the Middle East, uh, Syria, Jordan, and what's uh, today Israel and Palestine. And his, his approach to administration was that we should all have one culture, like we should all speak one language, we should all kind of follow one religion, one education system. And uh, it was kind of called Hellenization, kind of making everyone Greek. And so he had this bright idea that the Jews should just worship the Greek gods. And so he went to the Jewish temple and on the altar of burnt sacrifice, uh, he sacrificed a pig uh, to a pagan guy and it started a revolt. And the revolt lasted for about three years and the Jews who were fighting actually won it. And, and when they won, uh, they kind of went to Jerusalem and they kind of cleansed the temple and they rededicated the temple back to God. And so every year since then, up until today, it's still, it's still celebrated, um, is this kind of festival 
that celebrates this, this dedication. And so in the gospel, it says that this, this is the time of year that this is happening, that Jesus is telling this parable about the sheep and the, and the sheepfold and the gate and the thieves in the midst of that, that season, that rededication season. And the martyrs, the Maccabeans, um, it's called the Maccabean Revolt. The, the folks who fought in that war and who died in that war are, are remembered in the Jewish text as those who laid down their life for the rest of the people. The idea of, of sacrifice kind of for the flock is, is a theme that runs, runs through that season. And it's also filled with, uh, with promise and with hope. When they celebrated uh, the Feast of Dedication, they anticipated that all those who had been scattered, but they'd been scattered by the exile, they kind of been scattered kind of throughout the diaspora, that they would be gathered back in. And Jesus kind of says, you know, he talks about gathering in his sheep. And so we see these themes kind of, kind of working out there. And of course, I mean, the main theme of the Feast of Dedication is the, is the dedication of the temple itself. And throughout this gospel, throughout the gospel of John, Jesus has kind of been kind of presenting himself as a new temple. Like right from the very beginning, uh, when it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It says later that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And the word there for dwelt among us is, is the same word that we get the word tabernacle from, that Jesus kind of is this new tabernacle. In fact, he'll say it more plainly in, in the next chapter, in John chapter 2. Jesus refers to his own body as the temple. And he says, this temple may be destroyed, but in three days it'll be raised back up. And people get confused. They think he's talking about kind of the physical temple. But Jesus is already, in a way, talking about how he is the temple and how his dedication kind of represents this. The last point in terms of this kind of comparison with the, with the Feast of Dedication is that it's also a time that is remembered for kind of poor uh, religious leadership. The, the, the priests of that time, particularly the high priest, were kind of known as compromisers that they had kind of gone along with the Syrians, uh, the Seleucids. They'd kind of gone along with the Greek way of being things. And they were referred to in the Jewish literature as false shepherds, those who snuck in, those who took, took the Jewish people and um, in ways that they shouldn't, uh, took advantage of them, um, assumed leadership of them, but were, were unfaithful leaders. Um, more like thieves, uh, more like robbers. Which, which brings us back around to what I think is happening, and maybe, if not the way to understand this parable, it's certainly, I think, a good way to understand it. In verse 1, what we're, what's set up is a, is a contrast between the gate, the gate itself, and the thieves who would kind of come over the wall and try and uh, take the sheep. And so Jesus says, I am the gate. And so the thieves then would be any form of religious leadership 
that would kind of recommend a way of life that is contrary to Jesus or alternative to Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus is pretty exclusive on this point. He is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the gate. He's how you come in and he's how you go out. And, and there's, there is kind of no, there is no other way. Without Jesus, we'd all be lost. And, then, and so at, at Jesus' time, there were all sorts of other would-be messiahs that thought that they could overthrow Rome, thought that they could consolidate kind of the, the Jews and the Jewish people around them to set up a new independent government uh, and to establish a, a nation. But they came in ways that were uh, contrary to the way that Jesus came. And so they were, they were economic and political and militant leaders. But ultimately their claim was to be God's representative. And so how do they come? So the, the contrast in the opening verse between the gate and the thief or thieves is then spelled out for us in the closing verse, verse 10, where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, I come to give life and life more abundantly. So last Tuesday, one of the, one of the questions that we were polling the folks in the lab sessions was who do you think the thief is? And of course, a lot of them answered the devil. And, and perhaps a lot of you have heard that verse before, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you think, oh yeah, that's Satan, that's the devil. And certainly, I think he is an adversary. And um, we're not trying to give him any credit here. But this passage of Scripture, I think, is not referring to the devil whatsoever. There's no, there's no sight of the devil in this passage or no hint that in any way this parable refers to that character in the story. Instead, those who would come and steal or kill or destroy are those kind of false prophets, those false messiahs, those unfaithful priests during the time of Maccabees that said the best way to, to, to live this life is to just kind of compromise with the Greeks or it's okay if we take advantage of the poor. You see, Jesus didn't come to steal. He came to give. Jesus didn't come to kill. He came to die. Jesus didn't come to destroy. He came to create. He came to create life, new life, abundant life. We talked about this last week too, that the gospel is a gospel of abundance. It's not a, it's not a story of scarcity. And I know, and particularly in this time, it's easy to listen to a lot of uh, voices, religious voices, kind of speaking for God, saying, this is what this scripture means, and this is, this is how you should take this passage, and this is how you should live your life. And I just want to say this. I want to say, if you hear any of those stories, and in any way they advocate stealing, they advocate taking what's not yours or ours, uh, taking from the poor or the, the marginalized especially, that that's, that's not the way of Jesus. If, if you hear uh, Christians kind of advocate for killing, for death, that is not the way of Jesus. And if, if you think that somehow 
kind of living as a Christian or being part of the Christian way is about destruction. Again, that is not the way of Jesus. You see, Jesus is the gate because he is the way, that he is the agent, he's, he's, he's who we go through to get to God the Father. But he's also the way, meaning it's the, the way, the manner in which these things are done. So that, again, not unlike when we said that Jesus is kind of the Lamb of God, he's the sheep, um, in the sense that it is his sacrifice, it is his death, his resurrection that makes this whole thing work. But as, as that, he becomes an example for us. As he'll say to his disciples, if, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Like that's how it works. He's our example. He's the way. And that's, that's again, that's a double entendre, meaning he is the one and he's showing us the way in which we should behave. And that way, again, is a life and a life more abundant. And it is contrasted here with those who would steal, kill, and destroy. And it doesn't, doesn't do us any good to try and blame that one on the devil. That's, that's our own fault, right? That's, that's our own greed. That's our own kind of exclusivism. That's our own kind of preference for our way and our way of doing things. And so we're, we're quick maybe to, to listen to someone else, to some, to some other way. But they, my friends, have snuck in over the wall. They are not the way of Jesus. That's not the way to green pastures. Our psalm today was Psalm 23. We opened the service with it in the call to worship. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he is our sheep. And for today, I think most importantly, he is the gate. He is the way. And here's our challenge for us today then. For us to live a life that is modeled after the one who has saved us. That he has, yes, he's our savior. And he is also our example. And we should live that way. Be careful not to fall for uh, fake impersonations. To, to listen to the voice. To anticipate what that sound might be like. Is it love? Is it kind? Is it gentle? Is it joyful? Is it patient? Then you know it's the voice of Christ. But does it promote greed or fear or violence or destruction or death or stealing? Nope. That is not the way. Amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.